not only did the time change this week, but our, clock, our calendars move forward to November, which means we can finally start thinking about Thanksgiving. Um, and I love, I love everything about Thanksgiving. I should lead with that. I love especially the leftover sandwiches with like the layer of turkey and stuffing, a little bit of cranberry sauce, and like you're seeing how much you can fit on one potato roll. Um, I love our little salt and pepper shakers that are shaped like little turkeys, so they don't work very well, but they're super fun. I love um, the Trader Joe's stuffing mix. Uh, it truly is the best, and I already bought mine, so I can tell you that this morning. <laughs> uh, I love Thanksgiving, I think, because it's a holiday. We don't have to do anything except cook this huge, ridiculously large meal, and then we all get together around one table, and we eat until we can't eat anymore, and then we wait like 15 minutes because now we have room for pie, <laughs> and then we come back. Then we take a, a really short walk to work off the calories, and then we take a nap. And I just feel like start to finish, that's like my ideal day, like the whole, the whole package. Some of you might be planning, as you look ahead over the next few weeks, a Thanksgiving with friends. Maybe you're traveling. Uh, Dave and I and Andrew will be heading up to Tallahassee to visit our son and to spend the holiday with him. Uh, we'll also be attending a certain football game and rooting for a certain team that weekend. <laughs> Um, who had a really good day yesterday, but that's beside the point. Uh, so some of you are going to be traveling. I know uh, some of you too, though, I know Thanksgiving can be really stressful, and I hear that. Uh, maybe family's really hard for you, and maybe for the past few years you've been able to not do it because of COVID, and this year you're wondering if you can keep that up. Um, so as we start thinking about Thanksgiving and our tables at home and everything that this month brings with that, here at the church, we'll be taking the next three weeks to do a series called Open Table, Open Table. And we'll be looking at the teachings Jesus gave us from dinner tables. And it turns out Jesus takes dinner time really seriously in what he teaches, and, and so do we. So today we're going to look at a teaching from the Gospel of Luke. And as we read, we're going to think about one specific table that we gather around, and that's our table here at the church. Now, before we dive in, um, you know, I eased us in with all this Thanksgiving chatter because I'd hoped, you know, you come to the Word and you think, all right, Jesus, this is consecration week, and we have a potluck. I need, like, a light and fun teaching uh, for us to do today. You know, one of those teachings where Jesus is like, you're doing great, just keep doing what you're doing. And that is not what Jesus does from the table in the Gospel of Luke. So today, if you'll bear with me, we're going to look at three challenging teachings Jesus has about coming to the table with him and what that means for us as a church. In this particular passage from Luke, Jesus is having dinner at the house of a Pharisee. And most of you will remember that Pharisees are these super religious leaders in the community, and they are not a fan of Jesus at all. Because it always seems like he's out there just breaking all the rules. They don't like him. So usually if a Pharisee invites Jesus to do anything, it's not that they really want to spend time with him. It's that they want to see what he's up to. So the Pharisee invites Jesus to his house, and when Jesus gets to dinner, he notices that everyone is trying to take the best seat at the table. And now before we judge them too harshly, I think some of us have been there. If you've ever walked into like a big dinner, maybe a potluck, and you get in there and you try to figure out which table will get to go through the line first, you know, which seat is best in the kingdom of God. Yeah, we've been there. So Jesus looks around and everyone's jockeying for the best seat at the table. 
And he says this, verse 8. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you might come to you and say, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lower place. I love this because Jesus comes to them and it's like, picture the worst thing that could happen to you at a dinner party. Can you imagine how embarrassing that you would, you would sit down in a seat and the host would come up to you and say, there is someone more important than you. I need you to move. They're terrified. But then he goes on and he says, when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he might say to you, friend, move up higher then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now Jesus isn't saying here that they should sit in the low place just so they can get moved up. That's just for show, right? He's teaching about humility, and what kind of humility we need as we come to the table together. And we could stop there, but then Jesus immediately moves on to something else. Because not only has he noticed that everyone's trying to get the best seat, Jesus has noticed who's not at the table at all. He's observed who was invited and who wasn't. In Jesus' time, if you had a dinner, you wanted to invite the most powerful people you knew. Because by having them at your table, now they owed you something. So it was a way of gaining power over somebody else. It's probably why the Pharisee had invited Jesus that day to that table. So it made sense that the host would have invited the most powerful and wealthy and famous people they possibly knew. And then Jesus turns and looks right at the person who hosted the meal. You can almost feel them pull back. Verse 12, he said also to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they might invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So it wouldn't make any sense at all for them to invite someone who had nothing to give them in return. But Jesus doesn't care. He goes in and stirs things up. He creates this guest list of people who in Jesus' time couldn't have given anything back by being a guest at the dinner. He mentions specifically the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. He says, invite them to dinner. Sit with them as equals and expect nothing in return. We're going to stop here with this one because this first teaching is our hardest one. But we have to look at it together. As a church, we say we want everybody to come. Y'all come. Come be a part of our church family. We want everyone to be at the table, don't we? But do we always mean it? When my kids were little, I told them I always wanted their friends to come to our house. And I really think in my head, I believed I wanted those children to come to my house and have dinner. I wanted to be that house with the pile of shoes by the door and your know, kids in and out of our house all day. 
And then they actually came. And there was this mob of sweaty and dirty and loud little boys just all over my house. And then they came to the dinner table and they made potty jokes while we ate dinner. I invited them to come and I think in my heart I wanted to, but did I really mean it? Did I really want all of who they were in my home? We invite people to church, but do we really mean it? Do we really want people to come to our table here who have nothing to give us in return? Do you want someone to come to our table at church even if they can't volunteer right now because their schedule is just really full? Do you want people to come to the table at church who maybe can't give as much as you can right now? So you have to give more so that we all can be a part of what's happening. Do you want people to come to the table at church and, you know, Lord, hear us on this one, who might rearrange the table settings? <laughs> people who might come in and change things a little bit. Ultimately, are we inviting people to our table because we want them to be a part of our church family or because we want our own dinner party to keep going? This is a hard one for us. This is a hard one for every church because we forget whose table it really is. You know, God invites us in to God's table. We get so excited and we start planning a meal and we set up all the decorations and we put out little place cards and think about who God should invite to have dinner with us. But it's not our table. It's not our table. It's God's table. We aren't the host of the dinner. Jesus is. Jesus is. We are guests at God's invitation just like everybody else. And this is a hard thing for us to get our head around. And boy, I wish we were done, but Jesus isn't done. So here we go. All right, verse 15. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. All right, so this is the second thing we have to learn from Jesus about the open table as a church. Jesus just told us this story. You know, a man throws a huge dinner party, and he went out and he pre-invited everybody, and they said, all beats and aren't things like, oh, my alarm clock didn't go off, or I got caught in traffic. These are big life events. The purchase of land, or you know, having, uh, getting married, buying some oxen. That one's maybe less relatable to us. <laughs> <laughs> but don't try and tell me I'll have oxen to tend. You need to be in church. There are plenty of reasons, you know, not to come to the table at the church. And I know that you're busy and that you have work to do and that you are just exhausted. I get it. It is, it is not easy to make church a priority when there's so much competition for your time. It's really hard for Dave and I to make a case for coming to church on Sunday when we know there are so many other options and so many demands on your time. 
we know that they're all real and important things that keep you from being here. And, you know, as a, as a friend and as a person, I want to be like, that's all right. You know, do what you need to do. But I would be negligent as your pastor if I didn't tell you the truth. Coming here matters. It matters. Getting around the table together, it changes us. Fred Craddock, in his commentary on this passage, wrote this, The forces against which God's offer contends are reasonable and well-argued, but God's offer has priority not simply over our worst, but over our best agendas. God's offer has priority not only over our worst, but over our best agendas and offers. You know, in a world that just never stops moving, we come to church, we get to stop for an hour each week and remember what really matters and remember who we are, remember what God wants for you. You get to stop for an hour and remember that there really is nothing more important than God in your life and nothing so big that God's not going to help you handle it. It's about grounding yourself in that teaching and listening for God's voice. And it's not just about what we learn or what we do individually. It's about being a part of this family. There are people in this room, your church family, that gather around this table, and they will be there when things are good, but they will really be there when things are bad. So much so that you're not going to be like, that's enough. (laughs) They're going to just really be there for you when things are hard. That's something that God does when we get together as a church. I tell you what, there is nowhere else that we get that. There's nothing else in our lives that give us that. Not an activity or a trip, even your personal prayer at home. God wants you to be here. All right, Jesus isn't done. It's not my fault, it's Jesus' fault. There's one more. <laughs> Goes back to the scripture. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you have ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For this last teaching, I want to talk directly to some of you who feel like you don't belong at the table. Notice in our passage, it says, Compel the people to come in. Jesus knew that there were a lot of people who belonged to God's kingdom, but who would be reluctant to come in. That they would have to be compelled. Maybe someone told you you were wrong because of who you are. Maybe someone told you that you are an outsider, unwelcome. Maybe you just feel like an outsider or unwelcome. Maybe you doubt your faith, and so you come to church and you feel like a fraud because you're like, if they only knew the questions that I have or if they only knew the things that I had done. Maybe you see the sin in your life and you just wonder if you're good enough to be here. Whatever your hesitation is, it is time to unapologetically, unapologetically take your seat at the table because Jesus has invited you to dinner Jesus has. And no one gets to tell you that you don't belong in the church or belong at the table. No one else can tell you who you are. Only God. So keep your head up. You are a child of God. 
Your invitation is written in God's hand. Boldly claim your space because you belong here.